hey, I'm not going to say it this morning. I want you to listen. That's Brody Harmon right there. Uh, Misty Harmon was a very wonderfully faithful young mother uh, at uh, First Jacksonville who worked, was there, was faithful. That's her little boy saying, good morning, welcome um, to Mornings with Mac. I hope you've got a copy of God's Word. Maybe if I've not done anything in my ministry, I've impressed that one thought. I hope you've got a copy of God's Word. Well, hey, I hope you've got a copy of God's Word. I want to take you to it this morning for a morning devotion, uh, a beatitude of the Old Testament, and it's the beatitude of forgiveness, and it's Psalm 32. There are seven penitential psalms. Uh, the one that you know the best is Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is where David confesses. Well, he's not really confessing there. He's already confessed back in 2 Samuel. <clears throat> what he's doing in Psalm 51 is he's repenting to God. He's just pouring out his heart in repentance to God. And in that Psalm, in fact, let me do this. Let me just flip over to Psalm 51 and let me read this. In the middle of this repentance, he's asking for God to restore him. Uh, that's all, it, it's interesting to me that in the human heart, when we want forgiveness, what we are really looking for is not just forgiveness, but restoration as well. Listen to what he says there. He, he talks about restore to me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation. And then he says this in verse 13, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. He says, God, if you forgive me, what I'll do is this. You forgive me, you restore me. In other words, let me come back and serve you again. And when I come back and serve you again, this is what I'll do. I'll teach. Uh, I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners will repent out of it. Psalm 32 uh, many Old Testament scholars think that Psalm 32 is the fulfillment of Psalm 51, verse 13, that this is David who keeps his uh, word to the Lord. Because if you look at the very top of Psalm 32, you have a title that says, A Maskell of David. Now, we really don't know what these words actually mean, uh, but we think maskell means a teaching or an instruction. So this comes as an instruction of David. It comes as a teaching. David takes Psalm 32 and uh, he is going to teach us something out of it. Now look at how it begins. This is why I call it a beatitude of forgiveness. Blessed. You see this? Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts uh, no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now you might as well stop right there because that's as far as I got this morning. That's a ton right there. Um, sometimes you just need to stop with a verse or two and just mine the gold out of a couple of words and uh, out of a verse or two. 
David's doing something here that I find to be pretty fascinated, fascinating. Now listen to what he's saying. He's basically saying this. If I want to sum, uh, sum up this psalm, I would do it in this statement. Blessed are those who recognize they are not righteous. Now, I'm fascinated with that. That has caught my attention since 4.30 this morning. And um, let, let, me just, let me just repeat that. Blessed are those who recognize they are not righteous. I'm not so sure Jesus did not think about this very psalm when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to Matthew chapter 5 right now. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus nowhere says, blessed are the righteous. But he starts off the section of the Sermon on the Mount that we call the Beatitudes with this Beatitude, the very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize they are not righteous. Self-righteousness may be one of the ugliest, if not the ugliest sin in the church. Self-righteousness may be the ugliest sin among the people of God. Now, I'm going to just stop, let you think about that. Selah. There are three selahs in this uh, psalm. I, I won't even make it to the first one. I'm going to pause before I get to where David says you need to pause. So just pause and think about that, and I'm going to have a swallow of coffee. The other beatitude that I'd call your attention to in Matthew chapter 5 is where Jesus says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, it's an acknowledgement, I'm not righteous, but I hunger for it. I thirst for it. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to Psalm 32. And uh, I want to I just take a look at this psalm with you and these opening things, this whole concept right here where David begins to teach the idea of blessedness. He begins, he begins this by teaching how we need to have um, the right kind of view of our sin. Well, um, before I get to that, let me, let me just impress on you what forgiveness was for David. Forgiveness so often for us is this whole idea, please don't hold me accountable for my sin. Now, we think that's forgiveness to... We think forgiveness means, well, okay, it's a get out of jail free card. Uh, you don't have to suffer for your sin. Um, that's not what it was for David. For David, it was not um, the lack of punishment that he sought. It was the restoration of fellowship with God. That's how David saw forgiveness. Now, if you want a good Old Testament view of what forgiveness was, that's what it was. If you want somebody who needed forgiveness, it was, it was David. But David wasn't saying, God, you know, don't punish me. Don't hold me accountable. That's, that's the kind of forgiveness I want. 
David was saying, the kind of forgiveness I want is that the relationship between you and me, oh God, is restored. Now just tuck that away and put it in the back of your mind. And let me take you to the first point in verse one and verse two, and that is how you see sin. How do you see your sin? How do you see sin? Uh, That's an issue for our day because I'm going to tell you, most people in our day uh, do not consider themselves, don't think of themselves in the terms of of sinner. Well, I haven't haven't killed anybody. I haven't murdered anybody. I've not, um, I've not taken, I've not, taking, you know, food out of the mouths of hungry people, uh, so to speak. I've not robbed. I've not um, broken in somewhere and, and stolen something. And, and we, we have just this antiseptic view of sin, and it doesn't really apply to us. It applies to those people over there. Well, now listen to what David does. There are 15 words in Hebrew for sin, 15. David's going to use four of them right here. Blessed is the one whose transgression, well, that's the first one right there. Uh, If uh, you've got a copy of God's word and you're taking notes right there next to transgressions, uh, transgression, I've put the word defiance because that's what transgression is. It is basically rebellion against God. It's a defiant attitude against God. When God says, Uh, do not do this. Defiantly, we rebel and we say, I will do it. You've, You've seen this in little children. This is how you know that we have a fallen nature. You don't have to teach a child to sin. Uh, You get a little child and when a parent will tell that child, no, don't do that, that little child sometimes will turn around with a stern look on its face will swat at its mother or its father's uh, hand and will say, no. Well, that's the word transgression right there. That's how you know those little dickens have a fallen nature. You didn't have to instruct them how to do that. They just do that. Why? Because it's human nature. That's transgression. Whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin. Do you see the word sin there? I put the word defect. It's the word defect. It's the idea in the Hebrew of missing the mark. It's a picture of somebody who is uh, shooting a bow and an arrow or who is shooting an arrow with a bow and they're shooting it at a target and it goes way wide of the mark. It misses the mark. It's what Paul is talking about in Romans 3.23 when he says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have missed the mark. It is a defect um, uh, in our lives. Sin uh, is a defect in our lives. It's a, def- it's, a, <clears throat> it's a defeat in our lives is what it is. Look at the third word that he uses here. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Next to that, I've put distraction. Iniquity is this internal twistedness, this internal bent towards sin, this internal crookedness in life. Um, Nobody had to make me that way. I was born that way with this twisted, crooked 
nature that is within me. And then he comes down to the fourth word here. And if you have the King James, I think the King James says, uses the word guile. Uh, we don't use that word much anymore. Uh, but in the English Standard Version, version here, it's the word deceit. Sin is deceptive. Sin is defiance, it's defect, it's distraction, and it's deception. Now, I think the reason David uses that word deception there, deceit, is because that's what David did with his sin. With his sin with Bathsheba, then he tried to cover it up by putting Uriah to death. And um, in, in all of that, for a year, he tried to deceive the nation. He tried to deceive everybody with what he had done. He tried to cover it up. He tried to conceal it. It, it means duplicity. It means cunning. Uh, a man who lies has to cover up a lie with another lie and another lie and another lie. He has to deceive. Once you start deceiving, you have to continue deceiving. Once you start lying, you have to continue lying. David did this. There was lie after lie. There was deception after deception. And he got pretty cunning at how to do this. You begin to read that whole story of David and you watch how cunning it is when he discovers that Bathsheba is expecting a child. Well, let's get Uriah back here. Let's get Uriah back here. Let him go home. Let him uh, be with his wife. Then everybody will be convinced, even Uriah, that this is his child. So in the midst of lying, in the midst of deceiving, you throw in this whole concept of cunning and it is all an attempt to cover up. So David says, I've tried to cover up my transgression. I've tried to cover up my sin. I've tried to cover up my iniquity. And it's really, the King James translates it guile. It's really become guile in my life. Well, let me, let me hasten on and let me, let me just stop right here and talk to you about this a, a little bit. It's amazing to me how we as Christians will attempt to cover up our own sin. Have you ever noticed that when somebody points out, I, I, I guess being a pastor, this just goes with the territory when you have to sit down and talk to somebody about sin in their life. Have you ever noticed how angry they get with you? How another Christian gets so angry with you because you, you've confronted them with a sin in their life? Um, and do you know, uh, the Word of God tells us where to help each other in that area. I've never confronted somebody with sin in their life in an attempt to make them mad or to embarrass them or to hurt them. Um, I'm a pastor. I've, I've confronted them with their sin before, not out in public, but privately in an attempt to help them see uh, so that they can have a restored relationship with the Lord. Um, it's part of this self-righteousness in our lives that when someone sees sin in us, we get angry at them. We get angry at them. We begin to look for sin in their life, point out their sin. Uh, we begin to cover up our sin and justify and rationalize our sin. Um, and we, as believers, we just get furious. I think that happens because we can't confess that I'm unrighteous. That's what David is doing in this whole psalm. He's, he's simply saying, 
listen, the beatitude comes, the blessing comes when you are able to finally say, I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I confess I am not righteous, but I hunger for it. I thirst for it. I am spiritually bankrupt. Now, look at what he says. When you do that, look at what happens. This is what happens. Your, your transgression is forgiven. Do you know what the word forgiven literally means in the Hebrew? It means to lift up off of a person a burden, to lift something up off of you. To be forgiven is when God takes that burden of sin off of you. In fact, if you look here, and I may finish this psalm tomorrow. We won't get past this today. If you look at this, David talks about the fact in verse 3 that when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. He says, listen, when, that's, when that transgression was on me, it was such a burden, I thought it was just going to kill me. But now I confess, I'm not righteous. That burden is lifted up off of me. Well, let me hasten on. Whose sin is covered. That concept literally means to be blotted out. It's as if I took a whole little tube of white out and I just spilled it and it covered up. It blotted out. It covered over these words. Um, that's fascinating. I remember years and years and years ago, Dr. Ken Hempel whom I love and appreciate very much. He was my field supervisor on my doctoral uh, work. He talked about his doctoral PhD work at Cambridge, and he said when he got to his finals that they gave him a thing of white out and a black pen, and he could sit there and he could white out his typing errors and, and write in, in black ink, the correction. I've always thought of that. I've always remembered that. I don't know, Dr. Hemphill, if you're watching this, but I've remembered that, and I think I've always applied it to that right there. My sin has been whited out um, of God's book. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. That's an accounting term. That uh, when I declare the bankruptcy of my life, listen, he comes, and in his accounting books, he takes care of, of all of that. Oh man, what, what, a, what a glorious thought right there. And whose spirit and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I don't have to cover up all my sins and failures and lies and deception anymore. Come clean with it. Just come clean with it. Now let me close with this. One of my favorite hymns and here's the line that I love the most. My sin, oh, the bliss of that glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the tree. Early this morning, I felt like somebody is watching this who desperately needs to go to the Lord in repentance. Somebody who needs to come before God and just confess your sin. Like David, do you know why David was a man after God's own heart? It was not that he was perfect, that he did not sin. But right here, 2 Samuel chapter 12, when Nathan comes and looks at him and he says, Thou art the man. In other words, you have sinned. 
David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He immediately then repented. He didn't get mad. He didn't get angry. He didn't bow up. He didn't try to justify himself. He didn't try to cover it all up. He didn't try to tell everybody, blame it on somebody else. It's someone else's fault. No. Somebody this morning needs to hear this right now. God will forgive you. He will forgive your transgression. He will cover your sin. He will not count your iniquity against you. And He will set you free from having to cover up all your sin. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the tree, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. God bless.